0: by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away described one investigator as reminiscent of a weird murder.
0: There are certain serial killers we all know. On July 26, 1984, one of these criminals died while serving his time. The man was known as the Butcher of Plainfield, the Plainfield ghoul, or by his real name, Ed Gein. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Ed Gein was born in 1906 to a fervently religious mother and an alcoholic father who was unable to keep a job. The younger of two sons, Ed's mother Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation and kept her boys away from any outsiders and were only allowed to leave to attend school. She would preach to her boys about the immorality of the world, the evils of drinking, and her belief that all women, with the exception of her of course, were naturally prostitutes and instruments of the devil. She would also punish her boys whenever they would try and make friends. Thus started his unhealthy relationship and attachment with his mother and women in general. After his father died in 1940, Ed and his brother picked up odd jobs to help support their mother. In fact, Ed was a frequent babysitter for the neighborhood and related well to children. Ed's brother grew increasingly worried about him and would often speak ill of their mother around Ed. He had also found a woman who he had planned to marry and was about to leave the family home. In May of 1944, while burning away Marsh, Ed's brother went missing. He was later found dead from what they thought was heart failure, though some believe this may have been Ed's first victim. Augusta Gein died in December of 1945 and left Ed devastated. He had lost the only friend he had in the world and the woman who he loved the most. He was absolutely alone in this world. He closed off any room his mother used in their home and left them pristine and untouched. He also began an obsession with stories about cannibals and Nazi atrocities. On the morning of July 16, 1957, The local hardware store owner, Bernice Warden disappeared. Her son, the deputy sheriff, entered the store to find the cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. He quickly found a sales slip that showed that Ed Gein was the last person in the store. Ed was arrested that same evening at a grocery store. When police went to his home to search for evidence of Bernice Warden, they were greeted with a horrific sight that would haunt them forever. When they entered Gein's shed, they found Bernice Worden's decapitated body hung upside down by her legs, almost like how a hunter would dress a deer. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and then mutilated after death. This was enough to make anyone's stomach turn, but Ed Gein had much more stored in his home. Upon further investigation, police found the following, whole human bones and fragments, a waste paper basket made of human skin, Skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedposts, female skulls with the tops sawn off, bowls made of skulls, a corset made of a human torso skin from shoulder to waist, leggings made of human leg skin, masks made from female faces, Bernice Worden's entire head in a burlap sack, her heart in a bag in front of his stove nine vulvas in a shoebox, some of which were from victims as young as 15, a young girl's dress, a belt made from female nipples, four noses, a pair of lips on the window shade drawstring, a lampshade made from human faces, and fingernails from female victims. When questioned, Ed Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made around 40 trips to the local graveyards to exhume bodies in a daze-like state. He said he had no recollection of most of these visits, and if he did wake up from his days before the bodies were exhumed, he would leave the grave in order. He would find recently buried, middle-aged women who he thought resembled his mother, and he would take them home where he tanned their skin and made things out of them. He admitted to stealing from nine graves and led investigators to their locations. It appeared that, soon after his mother's death, Ed began to create a woman suit so that, according to him, he could become his mother and literally crawl into her skin. He also admitted to shooting Mary Hogan, a tavern owner missing since 1954, and the murder of Bernice Warden. At trial, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent and unfit for trial. He was sent to a hospital for the criminally insane. In 1968, doctors determined that he was mentally able to participate in his own defense, and another trial began. It lasted one week, where he was found guilty. In a second trial to deal with his sanity, the same judge found him not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him to remain committed in a hospital for the criminally insane, where he remained for the rest of his life. Ed Gein died of respiratory failure secondary to lung cancer on July 26, 1984. Those crimes lived on in macabre history. The car he used to haul bodies was sold to a carnival sideshow where Bunny Gibbons charged 25 cents for anyone to see it. His tombstone was chipped away by souvenir seekers until it itself was stolen in 2000. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning.